Hello and welcome to How to Grow a CMO, where each week I will talk to marketing leaders from the biggest B2B brands in the world to understand their mindset, discover growth strategies and what it takes to be successful. This week I sat down with Sarissia Prue, CMO for Ericsson, North America. You'll love this one because she talks about her career spanning Facebook, Intel and Ericsson and how the pandemic revolutionised the way we see technology. She gives us her tips on attracting the best marketing talent in the business, explains her view on how CMOs work most effectively with the executive team and tells us why going deep into the woods is the best way to switch off. From the CMO crowd, this is How to Grow a CMO. My guest today is Sarissia Pru, CMO at Ericsson North America. She's a marketing leader with the full breadth of skills from strategy, brand and messaging to co-marketing channels and digital campaigns. Sarissia has a powerful combination of strong technical knowledge and exceptional marketing expertise from cloud to edge, 5G and AI, big and complex ideas. And before Ericsson, she held senior roles at Facebook and Intel. Sarissia, welcome to How to Grow a CMO. Thank you, Susanna. Really lovely to be here with you today. So I am intrigued by a phrase that you've used before, that you got into marketing because you couldn't pay your rent. Tell me about this. I thought that one might come back on me sometime. <laughs> Um, no, it's true. I was, uh, I was an academic. I was specializing in 17th century theater and literally couldn't pay my rent. So I took a job with a company that needed someone who could write. And it so happened that they were supplying to telecommunications companies. I ended up moving from that work to Bell Canada early in my career. And that was early in the days of the internet. And it's really that connecting people and that capability that brought me into it permanently, to be perfectly honest. And were you surprised at how much you enjoyed it? Given your academic background, I imagine that you perhaps thought going to work for a telecommunications company wasn't really what you aspired to do in life in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I did not aspire to a career in telecommunications. And I think two things really uh, kept me. One was that uh, I found that there could be a really good intellectual challenge in marketing in telecommunications. Um, it's a pretty complex uh, environment uh, across business, enterprise, consumer, uh, industrial. So there was a lot of intellectual challenge. But what really hooked me is I worked early on on a program. Uh, there was a group called Kids Help Phone that helped uh, kids who were at risk um, it was effectively a, a suicide prevention phone line. And a lot of girls were called, but boys wouldn't. And boys were actually more at risk. Um, and when we launched it online into a chat room, all of a sudden there were all the boys. And not only did they come in, they came in and helped and supported each other. And it was absolutely incredible. And so what I saw in this connection between these 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 kids and they're reaching out for the help in this space uh utterly that was it for me I was utterly committed to it from then on I thought there there was so much um uh, inc incredibly good that could come from it and given that was 
1996, needless to say, a lot's been built on it since then. So that must have been so rewarding, setting up that connectivity for those really important conversations to be had. Yeah, I mean, I think that connectivity itself has really, you know, transformed our world massively in the last 15 years um, and has, you know, provided all kinds of consumer benefits uh, and challenges and allowed people to connect with each other or to have applications that create new opportunities, whether that's efficiencies in, in manufacturing or, you know, being able to hail an Uber ride. Um, so there's a lot there. Um, I think there's also, it's caused complexity in our world and some challenges, but I think for the most part, it's been massively beneficial. Um, I think perhaps one of the most amazing ones is the kind of connectivity we've had through the pandemic, continue people's education. Um, those kinds of things are, are, are just you know, they're critical to our society now. They absolutely are. And do you think this has enabled, in a way, you to be able to market what you're doing more effectively? Yeah, I mean, I think the industry has changed enormously. And we call it's still called telecommunications, but it's really not about the telephone in the way that it was when it was defined that way in the first place, right? Um, you know, it, as we saw starting 15 years ago with the advent of 4G, it really became about data uh, and it, you know, applications. People didn't, for when we built that, you know, that LTE 4G infrastructure, people hadn't foreseen Uber, right? Um, and so really what you're doing is is, is building capabilities uh, and, and opportunities in that infrastructure. And as we move into 5G, that's transforming a great deal more because you're looking at the digitization of enterprise. You're looking at not only, you know, one type of connectivity, but, you know, the enabling smart cities, enabling things to be connected. And so you gather a lot more intelligence, a lot more efficiencies. Um, so there's a lot, it's a much broader um, application uh, than telephony. Uh, it's really not that anymore. And so that is a much broader set of capabilities that you're building for, that you're building for your customer's customer. So how would you describe Ericsson then? Not as a telecommunications company? It is a telecommunications company. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it builds that infrastructure. But it's so much more. It's so much more. Exactly right. I mean, even looking at, you know, my own team, the content experts I have who talk about you know, how we can work with, um, you know, the electrical infrastructure and, 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 and I have teams working on sustainability um, and how we can, you know, reduce the power usage across that. I have teams working on all kinds of enterprise solutions or manufacturing, you know, really taking, you know, bringing great efficiencies, you know, uh, in everything from materials handling to teams collaborating on VR so that you have much, much greater um, operational cost efficiencies by uh, transforming and digitizing manufacturing. So, you know, that's a long way away from making a phone call on a 2G phone, right? Um, and so really, we're yes, you continue to build that core wireless mobile infrastructure, but you're also building for enterprise, you're building for industry, uh, and you're building for that next set of amazing applications that are going to come to consumers. I mean, people talk about the metaverse. What's the metaverse going to run on? 
I mean, unless you only use the metaverse in your living room, what's it's going to run on that, you know, next developed wireless infrastructure. And that's really hard to market, isn't it? Something so intangible right now. It depends on on the audience, quite frankly. Uh, yes, it's very complex. So really, it's it's difficult to try and boil that down into something that may be relevant for a much broader audience. But if you can break it down into an appropriate uh, and relevant piece, it works. I mean, for example, we were talking about uh, autonomous driving or assisted driving the other day. Um, you know, and we said, well, it's great. Uh, you need to have very low latency. In other words, it has to connect almost real time and it needs to be pervasive. So in other words, you can't be driving your autonomous car three blocks and all of a sudden it doesn't work. Right. So really giving people a sense of what is the continuity of that experience in order to understand, uh, that technology. And it, of course, if we're talking to our customers, the service providers, they're, deeply involved in this and we've got to work with them about how they can best evolve their their business and be their reliable partner because their business depends on our equipment. You're listening to How to Grow, a CMO podcast from the CMO Crowd. The CMO Crowd is brought to you by The Marketing Practice, the global integrated agency delivering growth for big name tech brands and ambitious B2B companies around the world. To find out more about us, visit themarketingpractice.com. Now, you've marketed lots of different products and technology over your career, but if you were to codify the success factors that lead to outperformance in the CMO role, what would they be? I think I would say probably two key things. One of them is bringing a valuable set of domain knowledge to the role. You know, these days technologies are so complex and they're also integrated such across such a broad ecosystem. There's no standalone, shall we say. Um, and so bringing uh, a few different areas of domain expertise from the technology sector together has helped me a, a great deal be more successful. Um, you know, having expertise in wireless and semiconductor uh, and as well as, you know, consumer applications. Um, has helped me to be much more strategic as a marketer. Um, and I think tied to that is being able to tell the story, to be able to take these very complex uh, technologies and help people understand um, their value, their relevance to them um, across your customers, across influencers. Um, so being able to really uh, as I would call it, have a magic decoder ring that helps people understand it in the way that you want to, or that delivers the appropriate messages in your campaigns that people will not only engage with, but will actually, you know, result in preference. And how do you gather the knowledge needed to be able to effectively market all the products at the same time as leading teams? Well, obviously, leading good teams is critical because you can't have that kind of knowledge across all of the products. So you've got to have that strong team with a good mix of people who bring the product knowledge as well as, you know, the people who bring the stronger marketing knowledge. Sometimes you're lucky and you find both of those in one person. Um, and if not, you need to combine the teams that way. 
I do feel that I need to have a knowledge, at least at a system level, so that I understand the impacts of one upon the other. And so I do think that that is, is critical to, to bring to the table. Um, and empowering your people and trusting them, of course. I mean, we all say that, but do we really do it? Uh, you know, I think that's where, you know, every experience has to be that they can come to you and say, this isn't working. And your answer is, is not a negative, but rather, okay, what, what are we going to do? So I do think that it's a combined factor of the kind of talent and then your behavior as a leader. So let's talk about the relationship between your role and the executive team. How do you think it really should um, be best structured? How do you go about ensuring that they fully understand the needs of marketing and just what really you need to drive the business forward? Mm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you're as a marketer and in that kind of scenario, you are demanding time of you know, an executive who really would rather focus on their customer, right? So you're you're asking something of them at the same time as providing to them. Um, in some ways, the marketer's job maybe is getting a little bit easier, improving that value because of the amount of data and how how data driven we are now as organizations to be able to show impacts. Um, so, I mean, I think building a relationship, bringing that demonstrable value to them. But also getting in early, um, you know, for example, I was in a business review just the other day and there were at least three different early engagements that I was able to flag and say, you know, if you achieve that, this is what we can do with it. Um, and so bringing that marketing perspective early on in the build, shall we say, is, is really valuable. Tracking the data with them. And quite frankly, you know, really illustrating the, the the value to their customers and how much a deeper reach you have. And so it's a, it's an education process. It's a proof process. And then ultimately, it's that relationship process. So I think it's all three of those things. Um, and, and sometimes it's a it's a long journey and sometimes they're already there. Um, so I think you have to engage in all of those. But it's being that consistent strategic partner. That, that betters the market outcomes. You're listening to How to Grow, a CMO podcast from the CMO crowd. Now, now Ericsson has been around for, for a long time and has a good awareness among consumers, but does that also translate to the B2B side that you're responsible for? Well, I think we're kind of in a funny position that way because I think if you ask most consumers, they remember way back when, when there was a Sony Ericsson phone or when there were Ericsson phones. And of course, on the B2B side, we're known as delivering the infrastructure. We haven't built phones in eons, um, but we have continued to be the leader in building the uh, wireless and mobile infrastructure. Um, you know, I think that there's been that strong consumer brand. I think that all people are impacted by consumer brands. You know, if I walk into any business, if I already have a concept of the brand, that comes with me. So even our, our B2B customers would have that. That said, that doesn't mean they understand what we do today. And so we have to work hard on that. Um, so there may be some brand lift, but honestly, it doesn't translate to that in B2B. And I think the bigger change for uh, Ericsson is happening right now. You know, we've started, we've seen this uh, industry engage uh, with enterprise directly. 
private 5G networks, um, you know, the kinds of solutions that you would use in industries independently, uh, as well as having those offerings to our customers. And so there is a transition not only to marketing to, you know, service providers in the telecommunications industry, there's also marketing to enterprise. And as you're seeing an expanded role for this infrastructure, it's marketing to that wider uh, technology ecosystem uh, where you need to bring the best partners to build these new technologies and build these new capabilities and applications that are being enabled. And so you talk about using the best partners. What other kind of levers are you pulling to achieve your objectives? You know, I think it, it's it's a lot of what people would uh, be familiar with in terms of, uh, you know, digital campaigns, in terms of thought leadership voices. Um, I think what is shifting is the degree and depth of, of customer marketing and the breadth of that uh, and those engagements. So I think that is expanding a great deal. I mean, these are things that may be familiar with some industries, but also as you are taking, you know, a large global organization and, you know, uh, our global efforts around moving into uh, new markets, that really puts a, a new a new set of levers we have to put into play to address and enter those new markets. Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, what does that mean for your brand? How does your brand transform to be representative of something larger and you know how do you engage with those new audiences and how quite frankly then do you adjust all of your internal martech systems and stacks to be able to track all of that so there's a lot it's it's a combination of levers it's not there's no magic bullet we all know these levers it's just a matter of how do you deploy them differently and newly um, in in your industry so you've been with a company so it's over a year now. Now often a new marketing leader comes in and wants to change things to put your own stamp on things. But by doing that, do you think sometimes you can lose what's actually worked for the organization over a longer time? And how do you balance that? Because obviously you want to put your own stamp on it, but you also need to bring forward what's gone before. Yes, absolutely. And, and particularly with a company with such a long heritage. And I think that there there is a fine balance. I think that there's been a lot of transition because the industry as a whole has been transitioning. So for me, bringing in new sets of talents, um, bringing in new marketing technologies, capabilities um, has been the new. Preserving what has worked, I think in this space, particularly deep knowledge of the industry that our marketers have. Um, I think also the deep customer knowledge, um, and an, an understanding of um, how this market behaves. Um, and so they have, you know, particularly when it comes to, you know, people who understand how to deliver content for these uh, types of markets. I think those people are, you know, that has to be kept and preserved. Um, and there is, you know, you have to be able to leverage the existing tribal knowledge, but get them to engage in the new vision. And um, I think for the most part, people do like that because they do want to keep moving forward and keep developing um, their skills. And so I think the balance is achieved by 
both by bringing in new, but providing those opportunities to the existing groups and, and ensuring that you recognize the value of their contribution and include it. How do you do that without wasting too much time? Because I suppose um, you don't want to string people along with them thinking that they're still contributing when actually you want to go off in another direction. It's quite a it's quite a tricky balancing act, I imagine, sometimes. Oh, you know, actually, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not one to waste time at all. So actually, I no, I mean, I think it's a matter of, of, of setting that direction and really being very clear in communicating what the needs of the company are now and then, you know, fitting in those aspects into those needs. So how that contribution will result. So how they contribute may change and what they contribute, but it doesn't mean that you lose the value that they've brought to the table. So I don't actually think that you have to lose a lot of time. Yes, it takes time for transformation. It always does. And it always takes people longer than they think it will. Um, but I don't think that's that's the point of, of, of where you lose time. I think that, you know, you lose time if you don't actually uh, make those decisions and are very upfront about the changes very quickly. Um, you lose time if you're, if you're not straightforward about that and moving quickly. You're listening to How to Grow, a CMO podcast from the CMO crowd. Now, there's a fight for talent, the best talent right now. And what have you learned over the years about just what the best way is to attract and keep the talent right at the heart of your organization and where to go out and find uh, new ideas and new people who would be the best fit for your business? Yeah, uh, I mean, keeping talent is absolutely about, for me, is is about two things. One, it's you know, giving them growth opportunities, you know, you evolve their career. You're not, for me, it's not growing them for their job. It's paying attention to what they want to evolve to. That may help them leave, but if you don't help them do that, they will definitely leave. Right. And so investing in that person, I think is critical and involving their career as a whole. And I think people focus on filling the role as opposed to the person they're bringing in and evolving their career and the same with existing talent. So that's one. Um, and I think you, you just, yeah, you can't fear losing them. The other one is you're built for talent, but I build for trust and for communication because for me, there's a lot of people who have talents. There's a lot of people who know how to be a Marketo expert. There's a lot of people who know, you know, how to work with agencies, but are they the people who will trust and communicate with me, with their peers, that if something's not working, that they'll come to me and let me know early enough that they will engage. Um, and so building that environment and filling your team with people you would want to work with, people you would want to spend your time with day to day, I think building those better teams. And I think we're learning that a lot more now uh, people have a lot more freedom of choice. They can work remotely. So it's a different work environment. You have to give them an environment they want to participate in. And so making a choice for people like that, I think is a bit of a shift. It's not a skills search. It's a people search. And are you still midway through that shift? I suppose it's very difficult to enable everybody to be equal, but still maintain 
you know, enough boots on the ground and enough remote working to to keep that balance. It's not an easy balance to strike, is it? Sometimes. No, and um, you know, I think think it's all you know. You know, there's no business where it's all egalitarian, but you can provide an environment where all people are 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 treated equally, right? And maintaining the balance of growth and retention and and detraction of talent. Um, yeah, it's it's challenging and it comes and goes. And again, though, you know, if you attract the right people they will bring the next set of people in as well, right? And so if you have that very positive team, it helps you with your your recruitment overall. Um, and we all know those teams. We see them, you know, the, per- the where everybody wants to work. Um, that Taking that as your goal and your aspiration, I think can help a, a great deal. So there's no silver bullet, but I think you can put key structural elements in place and key features in place that will help you achieve it. How do you think that your role will change in the future? And are you ready for that change when it comes along? Oh, I'm sure the role will keep changing. Um, you know, and we've seen uh, the role of marketing change drastically uh, with the advent of digital marketing, with influencers, with social, with the kinds of technology and systems that we have for measurement. How we tell our stories changed with that. So I think. You know, that role will continue to evolve. And I think the biggest challenge is to continue to maintain a a voice of authenticity and authentic brand in all of that space. So I do think we will continue to evolve. I think that the presence that we have uh, in either our customers or our consumers' lives, you know, the way that we leverage that presence or get present is is going to evolve. I would be speculating if I said, I think it'll be this or that. It will certainly be mobile. It will certainly be uh, in in various digital ways. And and hopefully it will be authentic. Where does your own personal balance come from? It seems that it's a highly intensive industry that you're in and requiring an awful lot of, of your time. But do you manage to get that balance? Yeah, I mean, I think both in in the job and outside of it. I mean, internally having really good support from my peer network. You know, we meet every month and that's incredibly helpful to talk about challenges, common challenges, what we're doing. So having a really strong peer network within the organization, especially in a large global organization, be able to have that in place um, is, is, is massive. And then obviously outside of work, for me, disconnecting means getting out into the woods or, or for a walk and things like that. So there is that combination of things and actually being able to disconnect then, of course, as we know, brings you back fresh so that you can be innovative again. If you don't actually shut it off and have the time to think more freely, you don't tend to bring those more innovative solutions forward. You're listening to How to Grow, a CMO podcast from the CMO crowd. Well, Sarisia, thank you so much. Now, just before we go, I have a quick fire round that I'd like you to take part in. And the whole idea of this is for you to respond as quickly as you can without really thinking too much. Okay, so I want you to complete uh, these sentences. The qualities I look for in my next exceptional hire are 
trust and communication. Brilliant. The thing most people get wrong about me is... They sometimes think I'm an engineer. (laughs) I'm under pressure to deliver a big project at work. I'm behind and the deadline is approaching. So I... Oh, I call in my really solid team and get their help. Work all hours? No, there's a way to do it. Divide, divide and conquer, help each other out, call in those people who know how to, how to execute and we get it done. And finally, to switch off, I... Get out in the woods. On a long meandering path or do you have a specific route that you take every day? Oh, no, no. Uh, go visit friends who live up north in the mountains and by lakes. So, and, and, and I would be lost if they left me. So <laughs> definitely meandering. A meandering way. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me on this podcast. It's been fantastic having you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. How to Grow a CMO is brought to you by the CMO Crowd and the Marketing Practice. The CMO Crowd is a community for senior B2B marketing leaders to network, share opinion, and discuss challenges. If you would like to find out more about how you can join the crowd, visit cmocrowd.com.